Welcome to Thinks Out Loud, internet marketing expertise your business needs. I'm Tim Peter. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. My name is Tim Peter. This is episode 349 of The Big Show. And thank you so much for tuning in. I, I just so much appreciate it that you choose to do so every week. So I want to do today's episode as kind of a quick follow-up to something I was talking about last week about the state of digital and what we learned about the state of digital from the AgFam's earnings calls, what they told us in Q1 was a big deal for them. And I, I talked briefly about Facebook's upcoming plans, Meta's upcoming plans. I know they're called Meta, but come on, you and I both know them as Facebook, right? So I've been dancing around the topic of the metaverse and Web3 and things like that pretty much all year, going back to what were the top trends that I thought you should pay attention to this year and what were the trends that I thought maybe weren't worth talking about that much. And obviously, the metaverse and Web3 were near the top of the list of things that I thought were probably more hype than reality right now. And I still think they are somewhat more hype than reality. I also think it's very much worth talking about them a little bit to understand what they mean to your business, what they might mean to your business, and how you get ready for them in a meaningful way. And I want to be very fair. I, we are always cursed when we talk about where things might be going in terms of the uh, what, I, what I think of as the two-year, ten-year paradigm. There's this quote Bill Gates uses, I've said it lots of times here on the show, that we always overestimate the change in the next two years and underestimate the change in the next 10. And when we talk about the metaverse, when we talk about Web3, you know, those are things that I think everybody's a little overhyped at the moment because they're talking about things that are probably not two years in the future. They're overestimating the change we will see. Also, they probably will be really meaningful within the next 10. And of course, you always have to ask the question, two years from when? <laughs> right? What's the start date? What's 10 years away? What's two years away? And so, you know, today is 10 years later than something. And in fact, you can kind of look at where we'll be two years ago by looking at where we were five to eight. Uh, excuse me. You can look at where we'll be in two years time by looking at where we were five to eight years ago. Now, if you look at the technology that I was really bullish about and others were really bullish about in 2014, 2015, 2016, mobile payments were very near the top of that list. And if you look today, suddenly mobile payments are everywhere. So I was undoubtedly early on that. I was undoubtedly bullish on that in a way that took a while to come to 
you know, come to fruition and frankly took a pandemic to really reach the mainstream in a big way. It also just illustrates you have to be thinking about where are we in that two-year, 10-year paradigm. By the way, I, I did go back and look, and I'll put some links in the show notes to other technologies people were talking about, you know, 2014, 2015, 2016. And AI and VR and augmented reality, or what people are calling extended reality, right, the combination of these, definitely were things people were talking about. So we're probably not too far away from the metaverse being a more real thing. But because those were such early days then, where's mobile payments if you go back, you know, five years before that, you go back to 2010, people were talking about them. I suspect we're probably still closer to, you know, uh, uh, 10 years away than two years away. You know, I don't, I don't think the metaverse is going to be as big as we think quite as quickly as we think, or as some people think. I tend to think of the metaverse in pretty simple terms. I think of it as the technology that will be the successor to the mobile internet. You know, one of the things that we look at is what comes next? Wherever we are today, there's always some new technology that's going to happen. Something is going to follow mobile. If we oversimplify things, you know, there's a, here's a complete history of how we got here. This is going to be a gross oversimplification. But mobile followed the internet. The internet followed the personal computer. The personal computer followed mainframes and time sharing. Right? There's no situation in which something doesn't follow mobile. I realize I've just like grossly oversimplified 60 years of computing, but the idea is pretty straightforward. Something will always follow. Mobile will be followed by something. And there are really a series of technologies that people seem to think will be the thing that follows mobile. Basically, 3D experiences, whether you access them via uh, VR, where you're wearing some sort of headset or you're wearing some sort of glasses that immerse you in the internet and in digital all the time. Augmented reality, where your phone enables you to interact with the world around you, the physical world around you, in a digital way. And digital ownership. Uh, and this is the Web3 thing. Um, things like cryptocurrencies. Things like a decentralization of digital assets to where you have them and where you have control. I am generally bullish on all of these technologies. I think they're all pretty cool. I also think they're incredibly hyped by people who have, what's the right word, who have motivations beyond just what's the next thing for why they're doing it. Now, I talked about this last week with Facebook. Let's talk about them for a second here. Facebook needs something where they own the customer experience end to end. What they have learned from Apple and Apple's app tracking transparency, uh, privacy restrictions that they've put in place, is that that's going to cost them something like $10 billion per year because they don't have access to the customer. We all know that gatekeepers going to gate 
and Apple is the gatekeeper in this case, gatekeeping Facebook and preventing them from getting the sorts of data they used to have that made their advertising platform so successful. So Facebook needs Meta, needs another device that they control, the Oculus in this place, or, or whatever follows it, to be the device that everybody uses so that Facebook can actually control access to the customer instead of, in this specific case, Apple. In another, for instance, let's talk about people who want to decentralize the web with Web3. And again, this is a place where their incentives don't necessarily align with their verbiage. Um, you know, one advocate who I talked to online said decentralized our infrastructure is, a, a, quote, a new paradigm that, quote, favors transitory purpose-built organizations that accomplish a thing and disappear once the thing is done. It punishes centralization culturally and financially. Most importantly, he continued, by building monetization into the protocols, they don't need to be subsidized by coalitions of you know, AgFam-sized organizations. Now, I want to be fair. There's some really cool stuff here and some things that I think will succeed. At the same time, I have two problems with this argument. One is we already have a decentralized web. It's called the web. <laughs> Anyone can set up a web server. Anyone can launch a company or a product or an app or a movement on the web easily. The centralization that has emerged in recent years is a bug, right? The, the fact that we have the AgFam is definitely a bug of the system, but it's also a feature Users don't want to have to randomly type in web addresses in hopes that the one they land on serves their needs. And so intermediaries and gatekeepers have emerged to help users find what they want. The other place where this doesn't quite ring true to me is that a number of venture capital firms have invested in Web3 startups to the tune of around $30 billion in 2021. Now, call me crazy, but VCs make money when their portfolio companies get sold, whether to larger firms, later funding rounds, or public markets. Those exits that they are banking on assume that these companies will generate revenues and profits or will lead to some other entity to generate revenues and profits. A decentralized web doesn't actually help them reach their goals. I don't think the venture capital community is betting on a decentralized web so much as it's betting on a re-centralized web with their portfolio companies at the center. You know, I go back to the, the person I was talking to, talking about, you know, the, the, the uh, culture and financial uh, models, you know, don't really favor uh, people doing this in Web3. But to be fair, the same was true in Web1. The, the web was very non-commercial. One of the defining quotes of the era was Stuart Brand's famous quote that information wants to be free. Now, to be fair, that's an incomplete version of the quote. What Brand actually said 
is information wants to be free. Information all will also wants to be expensive. That tension will not go away. I am in no way trying to malign venture capitalists. I'm saying they're doing their jobs by investing in technologies that potentially allow them to return large sums of money to their investors. That's kind of their whole reason for being. And I don't think they're investing in Web3, again, to have this decentralized web where nobody owns the customer. It doesn't fit logically. Now, I want to be really clear. None of this is to say these aren't cool technologies that don't have plenty of awesome use cases. I'm actually super bullish on the ideas of extended reality, on the ideas of augmented reality and virtual reality and digital ownership, especially when we start talking about how customers might be able to have better control of their personally identifiable information, when it might enable greater privacy because we have the ability to control who might get access to our token, right? That's a really, really cool concept and something that I think has enormous implications as we go forward. So I hope none of this sounds like, you know, old man yells at cloud and say, none of this is ever going to happen. I don't mean it in that way at all. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen in the way it's being proposed at the moment. And I'm going to explain one of the reasons why I think it's going to be a little bit different. One of the reasons is I don't think it's terribly likely that the various AgFam companies will all succeed at bringing the metaverse to us. Not because they won't try to, but because it's very rare for one company to make it through technology shifts from one generation to another. It doesn't happen very often. Now, you know, you look at Microsoft, they did great in desktop computing. They did terribly in uh, the internet for a long time. Yeah, they had Internet Expo uh, Explorer, but they they really did very, very bad at the mobile web. And they only got back in the game when the cloud became a thing. Apple kind of lost on desktop technology and they really won on mobile. Google so far has only really lived through search and mobile. Facebook has only really lived through mobile and social. So we're going to have to see how these folks do. Now, I'm not saying that they won't succeed. Some of the things that uh, Google is doing in terms of mixed-use search, where I can take a picture of something and then ask questions about the picture, is nothing short of astonishing. It is truly the metaverse brought to life because we're interacting with the physical world and the digital world at the same time. That is nothing short of extraordinary and I think provides a clearer example of what the metaverse might look like than almost anything else I've seen to date. The questions that you need to ask are A, what do I need to do to be ready? And B, how do I ensure that whomever the gatekeepers are, whether it's the AgFam or some group that we haven't even seen yet, you know, the proverbial two kids in a garage, 
How do I ensure that I'm connecting with my customers most effectively? And this is where I want to loop back around because the thing that we need to focus on is connecting with our customers. If you look at the brands who have successfully navigated previous technological shifts, it's they've done so by being brands people want to be associated with. You know, the easiest way to game Google these days, right? We know that Gatekeeper is going to gate, and we know that they're making it harder and harder to get to the top of the search results. Well, the easiest way to make sure that you show up at the top is to have people search for you by name. You're guaranteed to be the place people find you. And if they don't find you on Google because somebody's outbidding you or Google changes their algorithm or things along those lines, they'll still be able to find you on social, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or LinkedIn or wherever it happens to be. They'll still be able to find you by going directly to your website. They'll still be able to find you by, you know, purchasing your NFTs if in fact that's something you opt to pursue. But the success comes from understanding what is it that your customers need and how do you become the brand that they seek out by name consistently? Because then it doesn't matter as much what happens with the technology. It doesn't matter as much as to what is the successor to the mobile internet. What matters is your customers say, I know where to go to get an answer to my question. I know where to go when I need help. I know where to go when I'm looking for product or service X that my, you know, that your company has provided them for years and years and years. As I've mentioned many times before on this show, digital transformation is fundamentally driven by customers and by them getting what they need. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, whether we're talking the metaverse or the meat space. We know that customers are looking for you when you actually solve their problems. And that's why I'm plenty bullish on the metaverse. I'm plenty bullish on Web 3. But I'm far more bullish on brands and on doing the right thing to ensure your customers look for you by name. Now, looking at the clock on the wall, we are out of time for this week. As I always do, I want to remind you that you can find the show notes for today's episode, as well as an archive of all past episodes, by going to timpeter.com podcast. Again, that's timpeter.com podcast. Just look for episode 349. Don't forget that you can click on the subscribe link in any of the episodes you find to have Thinks Out Loud delivered to your favorite podcatcher every single week. You can also find Thinks Out Loud on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere fine podcasts are found. While you're there, I would very much appreciate it if you could provide a positive rating or review for the show. If you like what you hear, if you enjoy our discussions, if you love Things Out Loud, it would mean so much to me to tell other people what you think. 
It helps other listeners find the podcast. It helps them understand what Things Out Loud is all about. It helps get the word out. It helps build our community. And it means so much to me. I would really, really appreciate it. You can also find Things Out Loud on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Associates. You can find us on LinkedIn by going to linkedin.com slash Associates. You can find me on Twitter using the Twitter handle at TCPeter. And of course, you can email me by sending an email to podcast at timpeter.com. Again, that's podcast at timpeter.com. As I do each week, I'd like to take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. Thinks Out Loud is brought to you by Solo Segment. Solo Segment provides search as a service to help customers of large enterprises find the content that they need. Solo Segment powers your search results and focuses on business results to help your customers find what matters to them and directs them towards business results for you. Solo Segment uses this amazing suite of artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, and a whole host of other really cool tech and does so while protecting customer privacy and driving business results for you. You can learn more about Solo Segment and all the wonderful work that they do by going to solosegment.com. Again, that's solosegment.com. Finally, and I know I say this all the time, but I very much appreciate you taking time out of your very, very valuable day, out of your very valuable week, out of your exceedingly valuable life to spend some time with me each week and to listen to the show. It means so much to me and more than I can possibly say. So with that said, I hope you have a great rest of the week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and I'll look forward to catching up with you here on Things Out Loud next time. Until then, please be well, be safe, and as always, take care, everybody. <laughs>